Hello and welcome to If Anyone Cares. My name is Riley James. This is episode 81 of this particular podcast. And yes, I know I am constantly amazed at the people that listen to this show. One, that you listen to this show. And two, of what you're willing to do to be given the opportunity to be on the show. Because I get a lengthy DM, direct message. And... Hey, I love the show, and I am such a big fan of what you've been able to do recently, and I want to start my own show. Can you help me out? Can you give any advice? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. I love when people ask me these things because I was that person once, and the people that helped me out are still some of my favorite people. So 10 days later, I have this person sitting in our studio doing a show with me this person lives in utah and they're in lake charles louisiana given there's some outside circumstances that you know given context you would understand why they ended up in louisiana they are from louisiana they were coming back to louisiana for a wedding but the fact that they drove she flew into new orleans is staying in baton rouge driving to lake charles to come to come do this Lake Charles isn't close to Baton Rouge. Not like it's a, a hop and a skip. It's like two hours. It's a four-hour round trip to do on your vacation while also here for something else. It was quite the surprising move. I'm like, we can just do it over the phone. And you'll hear why she was on the show. I'm not, I'm not just going to let anyone on the podcast who wants to be on the podcast. But you'll hear why she was on the show in a moment. But no, it was surprising, and I, I, I absolutely loved it. Quite a lot of a lot more editing than I'm used to. Uh, the situation of the microphones were weird. I'm not used to doing something this close proximity. I'm not used to having a live show in this particular space. This is only the second time we have done that. But anyways, it's it's besides the point. I am grateful for her. I am grateful for the show that we made together, and. You'll hear all about it in just a moment. Alexis Hardwick decided she wanted to fly from Utah to come do the show. With all that being said, there's some things I have to get to before you are able to hear that show. You can find the show on the internet, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. You can find 10 show-sponsored playlists as well as more exclusive content from If Anyone Cares exclusively on Spotify. That link is at the very top of the show description. You can find the show on Twitter at if anyone cares underscore. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Riley James IAC. The show art is made by the incomparable Spencer Ware. The music is a collaboration between all good folks and IAC Productions. And that is about it for the pre-show. Last but not least, I want to warn you at least one more time that the audio in these live show situations are not up to the quality that the phoners are. That's why I wanted to do a phoner, but she insisted. And then around minute 13, you'll hear the transition music again. That's a fun little editing problem that we had. And then the rest of the show is going to be fine. So have fun. For Alexis Hardwick, I'm Riley James, if anyone cares. Oh, I almost forgot. Happy birthday, Alexis. All right. If anyone cares, go. Live, because someone can't talk over the phone. 
is she's laughing and it's great uh live in the studio where we usually do the show alone and someone calls into the show she decided to fly from utah specifically for this interview among other things i think a wedding or whatever she's just going to be doing while she's in town but all the way from utah we have a paramedic a former english teacher and an, an allegedly former kleptomaniac a friend of mine that i I uh, got a very lengthy DM asking me for advice and help, and she has somehow parlayed this through charm and wit into a podcast appearance. My friend and my new favorite paramedic, Alexis Hardwick. Alexis, thank you so much for making time, and how are you? I'm great. I'm now blushing. Thank you very much. I know. I, that was a fantastic intro. Take two. People are, are going to think I'm a whole lot more interesting than I am. Well, just wait until you listen to the rest of the show. <laughs> and you'll find out that you're either right or you're wrong. <laughs> right. Uh, I, I mentioned a few things there. You were from Louisiana. You are now living in Utah. There was a period of time in between those two things happening that you decided that you wanted to steal things. Um, the only other kleptomaniac that I, I've, I've ever have it, had experience with was uh, Winona Ryder. And she's very famous, and now she's an actress. So hopefully there's big things on the horizon for you. Uh, can you tell me about this? This is, by the way, this is the first impression of you on this show, so I can't wait for people <laughs> to, uh, to have this. It's only incrementing. Yeah. Uh, can, can, <laughs> only wild. I think the statute of limitations are passed on some so of these things. It's can, not... you, can you tell me about your, your disease? My disease. It all started when... No, I really... I never like went in grocery stores or gas stations and stole stuff. I never sold... I never stole anything with like a price tag on it. Um, I think it started out as like I accidentally like... You know those little sauce containers at like restaurants? I'm not gonna drop any names so it's, I don't incriminate myself. But, uh. What's it? <laughs> <laughs> is it a certain, um. Is it a certain, like, when you get cold, you have a little chill? Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Got it. You get a little chilly. Yeah. So, yeah. You, mm, so, it's those is that, little. Is that the actual restaurant? <laughs> I'm not saying yes or no, but I'm not going to deny it. <laughs> but like it started, I, I really think it started out as like I accidentally put one of those sauce containers in a to-go box because I'm not a quitter, so I'm going to finish the meal to-go box. Um, <laughs> so I accidentally took one home and I'm like, oh God. But then it's that thing of like, I got away with that and nobody knows. So then it kind of escalated to where like <laughs> it became this game of like if I take this fork home with me no one will ever know and you know this is a really nice spoon I enjoyed eating with this so let me take that and then it kind of escalated out of control like uh, it became a game and so I actually made my dad really really mad one time because we went in this rut and it became this thing of like in the family of like, Alexis, when we go in, don't steal anything. And I'm like, I won't. And then we get back to the car and I'm like, anybody want a fork? <laughs> so, it became like this, how big can I take this to the point where like, we went out to eat one time for somebody's birthday 
And my dad told me like, don't steal anything. I'm like, I'm not. And then you just, you see these nice forks. Like, not that we didn't have nice forks, but like we had the ones that you've had from childhood. And like, yeah, they're nice, but it's not the nice china we break out when somebody comes over to eat. So I, I would, I just saw them and I just would put one in my pocket. And then it's just, I'm like, man, I have deep pockets in this pot, like jacket. What else can I put in here? And so then you just, you take another one. It becomes this game of like, man, how many can I fit in here? And no one's noticed. The waiter, the waiter or waitress, whoever is like going and picking stuff up. They have no clue. So we get back in the car and my dad's like, and like, you can hear it as I'm walking out of the car. Like there's jangling in the pockets and no one's saying anything. And we get in the car and I pull him out. I'm like, hey, dad, you need some forks or knives or spoons? And it's this thing of I just keep pulling them out my pockets. I don't remember even taking half of them. And my dad was, he was not pleased. Um, I ended up having to go back in, but I only returned half. So then it's this other game of like, we get back in the car and I'm like, you still need a fork. <laughs> and it's funny now to me, but my dad is still wildly upset. Can I, can I, can I share how I learned about this? Was it the traffic cone that I stole? I don't remember. He never specified what it was, but Alexis's brother, who I have a selfie with in my Instagram account that I I actually think your brother is quite, is really great, great guy. I like him a lot. I've known him for years. He's actually one of the greatest people on this planet. He's a lot better than me. You said it. Um, it sounded this. I forget this is at the. We had to redo the intro, so we've already talked for two hours on the show. I forget that you don't know the bit of the show is that I'm completely rude to Alexis because Alexis <laughs> deserves it. So, um, her brother is a is a pastor of a religious institution in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, that I visited a few weeks ago. I say a few weeks ago; it's probably like two months ago. And um, he mentioned this story on stage about his his sister being klepto and having you know the kleptomania phase of her life, and uh, I was like, I can, did you get permission to tell that on the platform? Like he's saying it in front of like a good amount of people, and uh, I I didn't bring it up after the after the service, and then I met you, didn't know it was you. Because your last name is different now because, you know, that's, that's a thing. And then, yeah, (laughs) it's a trap. Um, And then I meet you. I'm like, I don't want to bring this up, but he felt comfortable enough to say it. So I figured I could probably ask because it's common knowledge. And then you were freaking out about how he told it on stage. Yeah, and I had no clue. So everyone out there thinks I'm a kleptomaniac, and I haven't stolen anything in forever. I haven't stole anything in months. <laughs> it's been three hours, and I haven't stolen anything. <laughs> I was worried. I put up some of my more valuable things before you showed up because I was very worried <laughs> that you're going to to take things from me and like mail it back from Utah as a joke. <laughs> Okay, but how funny would that be? It would be awful, and I would absolutely <laughs> bar you from ever coming back on this program. Um, no, that's a wild thing that happens. But no, I 
I wanted to tell that, and it's really funny that that happened. So I, <laughs> thanks for sharing your story. I, I didn't know the the rules and parameters and the and the, and the no. um and the statute of limitations on these things. <laughs> what's okay? What's the most valuable thing that you ever took? Was it just forks and knives? Did you contain it? Did you take a plate? Forks and knives. Did you take cups? Did uh, you take one time drill I bits? Took, take children? What? No, no, dr- drill bits. <laughs> drill bits. Drill bits. Is that what you mean? Yeah. Well, after a while of so many forks and spoons, knives, and, you know, little sauce containers. <laughs> that game uh, gets old. <laughs> well, yeah, you got to up the ante. So it's kind of like... And again, I've never stolen anything with an actual price tag on it or something like out of somebody's house. Um, <laughs> just other places of business. So, uh, <laughs> Allegedly has never stole anything from outside someone's home. <laughs> okay. I also want to clarify, I've never taken anything out of a patient's home besides the patient themselves. So I literally, for a job, I still... Continue to steal people out of their home. I mean, if you think about it. It's great to know. Can't wait to to justify that one later. When uh, someone's kidnapped and I have to apparently go to court. It's like, she said this in your show. I'm like, I don't. I didn't get it was to, a weird time. I didn't get honest. to pick what she says. I don't say anything. So after so many forks and knives, it's kind of like, how can we up the ante? So I went to a certain place that was fairly famous at a time. Uh, there was a comedian who used to do YouTube videos who made a creamery-based soda parlor of sorts. And I went there out of like, well, I'm already in this state. I'm already in this place. I'm going to go here and experience it. And then I saw this napkin holder. And I said, man. And I... It also transformed into every Christmas. It's this tradition where I re-gift something that they already had. So throughout the year, like you gotta wait for the right thing, and you you take it from their house, something that they don't they don't really pay attention to. Yeah, her brother also told this on stage. Yeah. So every year, like every I get everybody their gifts, and then it's like the last gifts are are the things that they've been looking for for months. <laughs> And that's the gift. It's like, hey, it's this thing you've been looking for, and I've provided it to you. This is a weird thing that get like you get off on. Like, this is a weird thing that happens that you do. It is I don't know thing. why. Like, I, what in you thinks this this is a, is a fun thing to do to people? Could you imagine? I can't. I, I can't imagine. It's frustrating me because you do this, and I would absolutely hate to have you as a sibling. I would. <laughs> You would be the worst sister of all time. Well, it's the, here's the thing. It's not something you use on a daily basis. It's not something you use on a month. It is something so small and random. Like like the magnets I gave you like to calm you magnets, down. Little fidget. Yeah, like you probably, you will remember these, so I couldn't take these. But like, I'm not saying I've been eyeing it, but like, <laughs> <laughs> but like one of your Xbox games or like one of your DVDs, like, I would take one of the discs outside. I'm not going to take the whole thing, the disc itself. I'm going to carefully wrap it. And then Christmas morning, you're like, what is this? What is this letter from Utah? <laughs> <laughs> and so it's something that like, you're like, man, I haven't seen this for months because I haven't paid attention to it. But now it's back in my life again. 
you would steal one of my expo markers. Absolutely. Did, I didn't call you? it out because when I take it, I don't want you to know. Okay, there's still 11 up there. <laughs> for now. I have my brown one, my green one, my orange one, pink, purple, blue, dark blue. I was going blue. for that dark blue one. Yeah, no, you can. That's why I already touched it when I walked in. All right. The best thing I've stolen is a traffic cone. I also have as well. As well as a bathroom <laughs> Everybody sign. Everybody has. Which you've seen. I wouldn't recommend stealing a stop sign. That's actually a very unsafe thing to steal. But you allegedly haven't. I allegedly haven't one night and then put it back because there was a there was not a car crash that happened a minor incident that emts were called to and that's why you chose the profession that you did all right nevertheless we'll get you into the actual show part that we already have done but yeah um transition music I feel like this is a really cheesy setup because I don't know. You um, just said it. Did, are you talking about the, the actual physical setup? No, this okay. is not cheesy. You got a nice little setup. Thanks. I it just happened to do this for money. <laughs> no, I am 27 in a week. So I'm currently 26, but I'm trying to get that. You know, that weird adjustment. That like, is math. <laughs> 27 <laughs> after 26. And I have oh. an English degree. <laughs> No, I, uh, it's that thing where like kids are like, I'm five and a half. It's like, no, you're still five. Like, I'm trying to get that accustomed to saying I'm 27. It's weird. I'm like, I feel the same way about 21. Generation gaps. Um, I've actually had, I don't know, this is like my third career change. And you're 27. 27. <laughs> it's been a long life already. <laughs> um, so yeah, I had the English degree, went to college for that. It was actually like my seventh major, like changing my majors. I changed my major about like seven times because I didn't know what I wanted to do. And eventually I was like, well, I have enough credits in this. I guess I'll just see it through. And then um, teaching was never really in my forefront until I was like, I want to change lives. How do I do that? And I was like, I learned too late. I really just wanted to have a book club. So I decided like, I kind of, high school was a pretty decent time. It's that weird romanticizing, like you think back to past events and you romanticize about how great they were. High school really wasn't that great, but in my mind at the time, I'm like, I wanna, you know, I wanna be the, the fill in the gap for kids who like, like me, like I kinda, I had friends and stuff, but it was the weird kid and kind of whatever. Um, Wait, so I'm not supposed to romanticize April 16th during fourth hour? I'm not supposed to romanticize that time and how great it was in my life. No. No. I, uh, <laughs> I had fine art survey my sophomore year, fourth hour. It was right before lunch. It was great. It was a good time. Yeah, yeah. Miss Mott. Oh, Miss Mott. In a place that you called a podunk little high school okay, earlier. Okay, it's... To anybody else, it's podunk. I'm sorry. You live in the boonies. I didn't know what that was until yesterday. Yeah, you're welcome for that. Yeah, I'm okay. educating. Um, no, so I became a high school English and speech teacher. And after, they always say after like the first year, you still have to give it two years to decide like if you want to continue in that. And I didn't, but I continued in teaching and I thought it was going to be it. I actually had this cute little thing of the only thing that I felt like was my fulfilling moment of teaching. So every teacher has like the signal to end the hour, whatever. Like you don't leave until I say, or like 
the bell doesn't dismiss you. I do. That's stupid. It's a legit thing. And every oh, I know. I went to school. <laughs> it's a power trip for every teacher. <laughs> it's the little bit we get. So um, mine was always, uh, I would say, what is today? And then my kids would say, today is a great day. And I would say, and who are you? And they'd say, I'm an important person who matters. And then I'd look at them. And, bro, I did the whole thing of, like, standing in front of the doorway and being, like, like guarding the door because I would look at every one of them. And I would say, and you all matter. Don't ever forget that. That's kind of nice. It's really cheesy, but I feel even, like it impacted somebody. it's not somebody. true. <gasps> <And> it, okay. <laughs> Some days I would say it a little less enthusiastically, <laughs> depending on how my kids were. But, um, we, we had a conversation a while ago about how you hate children. <laughs> I don't hate children. I hate sticky. <laughs> yeah, kids are, kids just make a mess, and it's a nightmare. I don't like kids. However, um, so I did that. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah, so I did that for a year, and kids are the worst. But I became a school teacher. But <laughs> <laughs> well, in my mind, I'm like, it's gonna be high school. It won't be so bad. It wasn't so bad. It uh, depended on the day. So like, you go in, and it's like I taught ninth grade my first year of teaching, ninth graders. <sighs> Hooey boys. Were yeah. we in for a ride? There was one girl that like, because it's all the hormones and they're trying to figure out who the they are. The first couple of weeks are like, it's new experience. High school, they're a little bit timid. They're and then, terrified. And then they get comfortable. Yeah. And well, the, the setup we had was weird because it was ninth grade only. Oh, that's wild. Yeah. So they go from like, oh, they go in terrified. Here, yeah. yeah. They go in terrified, but then they're like, oh, well, we run this school. It's like, yeah, you do. And so you get across the street to the actual high school and you're gonna get eaten alive like this is how this runs yeah so it's like on top of their exiting middle school on top of all that there's the hormones with it and then there's just their kids that's just they're still figuring out life and all that stuff so i had one girl that was always super sweet just an absolute angel not gonna say i had favorites but you do but you so, do so I, quit, quit <laughs> pretending like you don't you do and so uh, that, this girl came in one day and she was just in a mood. She was just absolutely beside herself about something. I don't know. And so like I'm in the middle of class and she's mouthing off about something. And I'm, I'm trying to teach. I'm trying to instill character qualities while Common Core and school board who haven't taught in years. Let's, are not, get tell me, let's not get political. I'm not. I'm, look, I'm not going to get Who'd, who'd you vote guy. for? <laughs> Um, what do you think about the the recent the recent <laughs> news? Gas prices. So <laughs> Supreme Court question mark. So yeah, so this girl comes in my classroom and like she's mouthing off. We're halfway through the lesson and I'm just trying to do my job and teach. And I, there are things you should not do as a teacher. And I did probably every last one of them and then some. Middle of class, I go up to her and I just like stick my arm out and I'm like, hi, I'm Miss. At the time, I was Miss Fairbanks. I was like, I'm Miss Fairbanks. It's nice to meet you. And she's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, well, I don't know who you are. You must be new to this school, new to my class. I don't know who you are. So if my actual student could come back, that'd be really cool. Don't do that as a teacher. <laughs> Your kids will not respect you, and it causes mass chaos. Yeah, no, I can imagine, because I would probably hate the teacher that did that to me. It was a wild time. So yeah, I did that ninth, I taught ninth grade English and speech. Then I moved schools. Um, I got what I thought was gonna be my dream age, dream subject. Uh, 
11th grade American literature and I taught it and I taught it good. I had a high school football. I'm, I'm glad they, they taught you humility at whatever school you went to. No, I never learned that. So <laughs> I was the best ever. No, there's not a lot I can do well, but my job is one of them. Not so much now, but no. Um, so we'll, we'll get to that probably <laughs> eventually once we, once we get there. Can't wait. I'm just making sure you have a fun time editing. Yeah, no, I I give me a step in and actually host. So uh, no, there was a high school football captain, and I was teaching Emily Dickinson, and one of her poems about a burning fire. Hope is a thing with feathers. That's no, my, that's my favorite. God. That's my favorite. No, poem. it was the one about her house burning. Them. So I'm teaching Emily Dickinson to these high schoolers who don't give a rip, and this, and it's it's not a fun time. It is for me because I love the stuff, but these high schoolers are they're drowning, and it's this one hour I had nothing but all the football team in that classroom. You want to talk about a fun experience to teach poetry to high school footballers. Footballers like soccer players, like no American football. Okay. Gotcha. This is America, right? I'm sorry. So, um, man, I'm teaching it, and the kids just aren't getting it. And they talk about the the light bulb moment where like somebody gets something and you can see it. And this kid, the the football coach had it, and it just it did something inside of my heart. And he was like explaining it, teaching it to the, all the kids, going above and beyond what I thought he was gonna be able to grasp. It was phenomenal, but I still went home crying because I hated my job. So I got to one point where I was like, I just, I can't keep going to work every day of my life feeling miserable. It just, I love my kids. I, I would do anything for my kids, but it just, it wears on you, man. I love my kids partially because I don't have any of my own kids. No, facts, <laughs> and I never will. <laughs> um we could skip ahead a little bit in the timeline of Alexis's. Yeah. Well, I do, I do have a question because I, I do ask questions sometimes no, on the show. Um, where did you actually go to college? I went to Southeastern Louisiana University in S- Hammond, Louisiana. S-E-L-U. Go Lions. Go Lions. <laughs> um, so you, your degree was actually English. 100% degree. English, yeah. How does that qualify you to be a paramedic? It doesn't. Okay, awesome. So it's good to know. Next time you're in an ambulance, uh, just know your your paramedic probably has a dumb degree like journalism. No, it could be worse. <laughs> your paramedic may not have anything more than an associate. So you can scrap that part. But uh, awesome. You don't need a, a college degree. You get like your quote unquote associates. In paramedicism. In paramedicine, yeah. Yeah, but, paramedicism. Yeah. And that's that, like depending on the program you do. Like mine wasn't really an associate's program. Okay, awesome. So Terrifying. You, but there was a school. There was a process to, to be yeah, there's, a paramedic. Yeah, there's credentials. Okay. There's a whole... I can't go right now and apply no. to insert place <laughs> no, here. No. There's there's a bunch of stepping stones. Like, you have to be you have to be an EMT first, and that's like a... There's a certification for that. Those are different things. Yeah. Can you explain the difference? Okay. You have an EMT. This is the ranking of EMS. Okay. You have your, ooh, I don't want to say low level. They're the they're the pores of the the paramedicism uh, game. You have your. You have your scrubs. <laughs> your, your, they actually mean something else in medicine. Yeah, <laughs> that's not. 
you have like okay so let me equate this to to something that i'm familiar with okay. so like sports you have your 53rd guy on the roster it's like the last lowest possible okay. on the totem pole that is yes that is your emr your emergency okay. medical responder that they, even sounds like a made-up title. It sounds like it. Your EMR can drive the ambulance and do CPR. That's that's really my speed. Yeah, that's, I can do you that. Would be great. <laughs> <laughs> Except for like you have to push in and break those person's ribs to be able to well, get. Well, you're the not thing. breaking ribs, but yeah. Yeah, you get it. Mm-hmm. You actually, you you do. I don't get it, but it's not the show for no. teach people how to do CPR. Um, That'd be awesome. Everyone though. should learn CPR. It is. It does not take that much, and it literally saves lives. Okay. I'm just gonna put that out there. Um. I, felt, I felt like that was. A, <laughs> felt like that was an ad read. <laughs> hey, just in case you didn't know. You should be you should. CPR certified. The American Heart Association. It's not that hard of a class, and it does not take that much money. All right, I will. I will put in a list of things I. I, <laughs> I should do that. Guests tell me to do. <laughs> Yeah, it's actually yeah, it's actually over there. It's the pink one, uh, the pink sticky note. You can probably see it underneath. Oh, there! Oh, wow! Yeah, it's a real thing. Um, so you have your is, EMR. Okay, EMR. Um, you can go to school, and I say go to school. You can go through a program and become an emergency medical technician basic, which is like. So you have your EMR, then you jump up a level to be a basic, and you can learn a couple more, couple more things. Uh, you have a couple of things you can do, drugs you can administer. Just not that much. You know a whole lot, and you can apply it. Um, it kind of also depends on the system you're in, because like some ambulance systems, EMS systems, like they have, I think like in New York, they have it like dual EMT basic trucks and like the paramedic responds with them and so like you have the the capacity to like know things and know how to save someone's life but it's it's like kind of bare minimum okay so that's the first two levels right yeah then you have your advanced emt okay so it's like you can push more drugs administer more medication stuff like that but the top of the line which sounds really can't say that. <laughs> All right. Can't say that either. 1854. So you have um, EMT base. You have your EMR. That's like, honestly, like your volunteer firefighter stuff like that. Let's not put down the volunteer people who don't get paid to save people's they lives and, and pets and, and lives. They, they are important. Most of them are actually EMT Everyone patients. matters. Everybody, Every, don't ever forget that. <laughs> All right, so we have EMR. EMR, you have your EMT basics. EMT basic. Then you have your advanced EMT. Which is, yeah, it's like it's like you going and taking English one hundred one and then advancing to English one hundred two. Yeah, like it's your a, higher level English yeah. class. And then you have your paramedic, which in like the EMS field, pre-hospital, there's like little credentials you can add on to like your paramedic certification, but that's. Like you, you've made it. And you are a paramedic. I somehow am. You have, is it indicated by a patch on your arm? Yeah. Is that a real thing? That's a real life thing. So you guys are like just more important Girl Scouts. (gasps) The audacity. (laughs) Oh my God. I earned my paramedic badge. You're being canceled. Yeah. 
well, that's going to get There's cut. a lot of, okay, let's just start <laughs> off. There's a lot of school that goes into it. There's a lot of money with the school. A lot of cookies sold a to pay for things. A lot of responsibility. <laughs> How do you think you guys pay for gas in your uniforms? You sell cookies, I'm afraid. <laughs> Some days I just feel like a Girl Scout cookie. What is the Thin Mints? Is that the most popular one? Have you ever bought Girl Scout cookies? Yeah. I, I have Samoas. Oh, yeah. Those are good. That's like the deluxe. Yeah, the Samoa Joes. You've made it. Yeah. I haven't ever bought them. I don't support kids. What? Factory slave labor? You don't support that? <laughs> <laughs> okay. There's a real conversation that's going to have to happen on what can we keep in the show. I'm done. I'm done. All right. For now. Um, so... You get patches. That indicates what level that you are, at yeah. least in your situation in Utah. Yeah. So you have like, on top of like the school you go to, like you can go through the whole thing, pass every exam, pass every test, all that stuff. So you, you've passed your program. Congratulations. Now you have the national registry based test. And how it used to be, they're actually doing away with it. You would have two sets of tests. You have your psychomotor, which is like your skills. You run through scenarios and like, uh, it's a lot. Um, oh, it's so much. And, it, and like you're sitting in front of these people you've never met in your life. Nine times out of ten you haven't met them. Sometimes like instructors go in and whatever. But right. you're sitting in front of all these people you've never met. And they're from the time you start the scenario to the end, they're like writing and watching. And you don't get like, a, oh, that's right or oh, that's wrong. You just complete it and you say it then like, all right, I'm done. And they're like, okay, thank you. Move on to the next one. Okay. It's terrifying, but they're doing away with that one and it's going to be kind of state level, whatever. It's, it's a whole kit and caboodle with that. But the worst of it, the worst of the worst, the most stress inducing part is when you finish your program, you do the national registry cognitive exam which is, it's a whole algorithm of questions and you don't know what they're gonna ask. And some of it is like, they throw in stuff that you really don't know and you should not know, but they're trying to see like where everyone's at based on the programs they went to, based on where, like, it's so much. So they kind of like, you start off with basic easy questions about certain groups of whatever you've learned, like uh, the cardiovascular system or the endocrine system or basic scene safety, whatever. And it just builds on that difficulty level until it's like, you can't get any harder than this type of question or until you miss a question and they go a little bit easier until you get it right. Right. So you have like 150 something minutes to complete either your 75-ish, 80 questions and then it just kicks you out. Either you did really great and they don't need to know anymore. Like you're ready to go out into the wild and have people's lives in your hand or you did so bad that they're like you're done please leave you should not be handling people's lives so how did it go for you i oh it sounds really um sounds really cocky if i say it like it this, doesn't but... it's not cocky if it happened okay i passed my emt basic and paramedic on my first time well that's fantastic congratulations Thanks. I also studied for my paramedic one for a week straight for 10, 10 or 12 hours every day. <laughs> so I probably would have winged it, so you're a lot better than I am as a, as a human being. I didn't study for a single thing, high school or college, and I was wow. salutatorian of college. So 
impressive. I don't Some study. Some of us have to work for what we get. I don't study. Studying is, <laughs> is, is a scam. Um, the problem a lot of the time with these tests and these standardized tests is like you're testing all of these human beings in the same way despite them not being the same type of human being. Yeah, I think that's what they're trying to get away from in that one test. But, mm, I mean, okay. you kind of have to know these things that, for your position. Right. And that's, that, well, that's the hard part of like going from like teaching and being in the education field. It's like, okay, you're giving everybody the same tree with branches to pick this fruit off of. And some people are taller than others. Or some people are on stepping stools. And like some people are shorter than others. And, and some kids just fair. Some kids just suck. Some kids are just really dumb. So. Yeah. <laughs> So it's not fair. Please edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> um, and like some kids aren't motivated and they don't have the socio socioeconomic factors to be motivated because that's just not how they were raised. And other kids, it's like, you will go to school, you will make A's or don't come home. Like, I mean, that's that's real life. But and another reason I had to leave teaching because it just, it hurts and there's nothing you can do about it. So you have that part of, I understand standardized testing is not fair on a state level. And it's not fair that school board members who haven't taught in a classroom for umpteen years are coming to my classroom telling me how to live my life and what to teach and read from the script. Where's the fairness in that? Thank you. My kids in eighth grade are on a fourth grade reading level and we're reading Franklin Roosevelt's speech from eons ago about conservationalism when I teach across the street from the hood. Thank you. This is why I left teaching. <laughs> this is why. Let's go back to yeah, so what you, you actually have... do for money. <laughs> so you have like, okay, standardized testing in a uh, public school setting. It's not fair. But when you have people who are going out into the actual wild of society, picking up everybody and their mamas and then some, and you exp there's a different standard that people need to be brought to of, okay, if you're in this situation, you need to know what to do. Not just like, hey, I remember this one thing, but like you're under pressure. You are under the stress of there's so much. Just every call, like the dynamic could change at any second. Every call, the dynamic of your actual safety could be jeopardized within seconds and you never know. So it's a it's not even just like a, in this calm environment of this test, can do you know what to do? But also, like, when you get out there, are you going to be okay? Are, are you going to jeopardize your patient, yourself, your actual partner? There's a lot. So I think, I think there should be a higher standard, honestly. Let's, let's talk about in the wild, if we can. <laughs> oh, God. We're at 27 minutes in. That's what people are here for. Um, I expect you to edit most of this anyways. It, it, as, as much as as people are interested in the process people care about the actual stories facts uh can we talk about just some sp specific things i don't want to get to kind of categorized moments in your career okay um so you've worked in utah for about four months now how long did you work in louisiana um i started as a basic in august of 2020 almost coming up on uh two years now and I started as a paramedic in January of this year. Okay, so you have two very different places. Yeah. In Utah and Louisiana. Very different. You have lived in Utah for, for a period of time now, long enough to establish the character of not only the state, but the people that live in the state. So. And you are from Louisiana. Mm -hmm. 
what are some of the differences between some of the people who call you guys? Because there are certain types of people who call you guys for things that are not necessarily reasons that they probably shouldn't call you guys for. What is the difference between the people of Utah and the people of Louisiana? With, with it being as, as, as diplomatic as possible without getting yourself fired. I'll say this to anybody's face. Um, there are times when this job is an actual emergency medical service. What percentage of the time? Honestly, it, it really depends on the day. It just, it depends. I don't know what it is. Sometimes we are a medical Uber. I mean, that's, it's stuff that like, you really wish you could look at someone and say like, you don't need an ambulance for this. But then like, if you get wrapped up in that mindset, you just get salty. Like you just become a terrible provider because then you're hyper-focused on that instead of, okay, well, we're here. You called, we'll take you to the hospital and we'll treat whatever we can along the way and make you feel better and we'll drop you off. I mean, it's, it's that simple. And then other times it's not, and it, <laughs> sometimes it really, it kind of sucks because you're like, oh God, there's so much going on with this patient and I don't, it's, oh. So you've seen people pretty much kind of at their worst moments or at their seemingly worst moments in two different places. Yeah. Are pe- people pretty much the same everywhere. Is there a difference between the two states? Um, culturally, um, the, you can edit this out if you want. The healthcare system in Louisiana is a little different from Utah and I will fight anyone who says that. Um, because in Louisiana, like, Nobody has primary care physicians. You go to the ER to get something fixed. I don't have a doctor. Okay, very good. (laughs) Everyone get a primary care physician. That's how you get. That's what everyone keeps telling me. (laughs) You should. I had a I had a nurse on the show tell me to get a doctor. (laughs) Episode seventy, by the way, go back and listen. Bailey Ball was phenomenal. She (laughs) talked about being a COVID emergency room nurse in her first couple of months being a nurse. That's tough. Yeah. So, um, so like in Louisiana, we ran calls with like gunshots and stabbings and real emergency situations. I mean, heavy (laughs) stuff that it's like, am I going to die while on scene right now? Like, are we going to, I mean, there's police there, but it's like, are, are we still safe here? Like, oh, we haven't found the shooter yet, but we know he's not here. Are you sure? Are we, can we? I've had a gun pulled on me in Louisiana, like on a call. I, I can still like, if I think about it too hard, which I can't, <laughs> woo. Um, I, like so close to my nose, I could see the little specks of rust right in the barrel. Um, I don't feel like that's ever gonna happen in Utah. Knock on wood, can't go through that again. <laughs> we don't have any wood here, I'm sorry. No, yeah, no, I, I, I looked quickly. We have the floor, but <laughs> I don't think that's real wood. So, like, going from Louisiana to where, like, am I going to get a gun pulled out on me, even on just these basic, simple calls, rather than, like, in Utah, we had a call where... What did we talk about with Do Not Disturb? Okay, it was an important call. It was an important call. Do you need to take it? No. Okay. They can wait. Okay. But it was fairly important. Um, So, going from, like, Louisiana where everybody carries and everybody just... Are there guns in Utah at all? There's no concealed carry license, so everyone has one, but it's also... It's exposed. <laughs> pretty much. Like, you know what's there, so I'm like... Like, one call we went on, it was uh, a lift assist. Very long story short. It was a lift assist. 
But I, we're like walking out the patient's house to go, like we're going through their kitchen outside their house, look on the counter and there's a whole 22 just sitting there. And I'm like, oh great, love that for me. <laughs> Death staring at me. <laughs> so going from like Louisiana to where it just, you go in some houses that people would look at it and be like, that should be condemned. Like that's, that's this is the state we live in. This is Louisiana. Um, everybody's Cajun Paul Paul carries for it's, better or for worse. It's, I love it here. I miss it here. Um, you have your major interstates where like, I Ten, mean, you, the, the drinking 10 and 20. Yeah. It's what do you guys have? Like 50. We have our, actually our speed limits are like, there's one spot that's like 80 miles per hour. That's your speed limit. Yeah. I went through Montana. I was 85 one time. It was awesome. Oh, it's a good time. That's what driving here. I'm like, <laughs> let me slow down a lot. I'm just going to get arrested. It's 60 on the interstate. It's like, exactly. oh, that's bad. This is child's play. Um, so going from that to where like we had a call in Utah where this guy, this older male, elderly gentleman, we'll go with that, is walking down the road. And these people were outside their house, never met him, didn't have a clue who he was. They just brought him into their house and put him on the couch and like put some little wet rags on him because they thought he was having a heat stroke. So we get there at the tail end of all this. And I'm trying to like, my partner's like putting the patient on vitals, trying to get a feel of like, you know, what's actually going on? You know, is he having heat stroke? Is it dementia? You know, so many questions so few answers we actually get and then i'm asking the people who live in the house like hey who is this guy do y'all know him have y'all ever met him and they're like no he was just wandering outside so we brought him in and i'm like big stupid me i'm like what do you mean you brought him inside <laughs> what, what do you mean you put him on your couch there's kids running around i'm like there are children in this house and you've never that doesn't happen in louisiana that will never happen in louisiana just Everyone's so nice. They leave their cars unlocked. I know you were amazed <laughs> that we went to Starbucks before this and I locked my car. It's like, yeah, Alexis, I don't want to get my stuff stolen. I like my stuff. It's just, it's if they steal cold, it, I have to buy new stuff. <laughs> Two cultures, man. It's, it's wild. Speaking of wild, that's a segue. Um, Beautiful. Let's talk about some of the wilder, wilder stories of your your EMS, EM, uh, the paramedic, what, whatever classification that you were at the time that this happened. So, um, something that you can legally tell me on air. Okay. So there are wild times where like we get to truly 100% practice what we are, like we go to school for and we're trained for clinicians. So like we... Like we can, we can cardio over somebody, you know, send 360 joules of electricity through somebody based on a heart rhythm that we see. Um, we can give medications like, we can give very powerful pain medications. Uh, we can, I mean, we can literally bring someone back to life. We can, I mean, it, that sounds cheesy, but that's real life. That's what we can do. And it sounds cheesy to say it. Um, I mean, there's stuff that we can do, but there are just some things that you cannot make up. For instance, the day I became, I, the day I grew up into forming into a paramedic, I was still in paramedic school and I was going on calls and stuff like that, like during ride times, 
clinical ride time, stuff like that. And I would have paramedics tell me like, you just need to be a little more assertive. Like you're not an EMT at this point. Like you're practicing to be a paramedic. You're practicing to lead the call. You're practicing to be the one to ask questions, all that stuff. Cause it is, it is like a stepping stone. You go from being told what to do every step of the way to, okay, well now you're the one in charge. And in many areas, like you have a paramedic and an EMT. The EMT is pretty much just told what to do and how to do it. And the paramedic has to look at a heart rhythm and identify like, is this person having a heart attack? Or look at certain presentations and be like, oh wow, you're having a stroke. Let's, uh, let's, let's, uh, let's get out of here because there are things that need to happen really fast and really soon. Um, whatever, so I had people telling me I need to be more assertive, this, that, and the other. So with that, we picked up a patient from a certain place and he believed, let me start over. Let me start, let me think about how to actually say this. We picked up a patient from a place and we got called by somebody else because he was just, he was wilding out. We'll just say, I'll say that he was wilding out. So they're like, Hey, he needs help. So we, we go and we talk to him. And there's certain questions that we can ask to figure out if somebody's really with it or if they're not. He was not with it. He, my man's was elsewhere. So we're like, okay, well, this guy's not mentally competent to decide if he needs to stay here or not. He could be a danger to himself and potentially, very potentially others. So we have to bring him to the ER because he's not okay, which that's what we do sometimes. And it, it you know, kind of sucks, but that's what we do. Um, so we're on the way to the ER and we told, I, I have this strong and everyone should in EMS of like, you don't lie to your patient. Like that's just ethically incorrect. And it just turns out bad every time. So uh, I'm telling him like, before we left, I'm like, Hey man, we're going to take you to the hospital, get you checked out. He's like, okay, yeah, absolutely. But on the way there, I guess he forgot. So he's asking me where we're going. I'm like, I already told you, man, I don't want to bring it back up because it's just me, him, in the back of the ambulance and my partner's driving. We're going 70 plus down the interstate. There is no one to protect me but myself at this point. I'm not gonna put hands on a patient, that's illegal. So <laughs> it's a matter of, we just gotta get there. So he's, he's talking to me, but then he just stops talking and he has like this thousand yard stare. That's the only way to be able to describe it. They're looking at you, but they're looking straight through you. So he has, he experiences that. And I'm like, all right, man, well, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be sitting in this chair behind you. If you need anything, you know, we're almost there. Just sit tight. So then after about two minutes, he gets restless and he starts kind of fidgeting with the seatbelt. And I'm like, Hey man, why don't you, uh, just, just sit back, sit tight. We're almost there. And he decides that's not adequate and he needs more. So he stands up. So it's this, six foot plus human being, myself and a laptop. My partner is driving and she, she kind of turns around. She's like, do I need to pull over? And I don't know what it was within me, but I told her no. I said, no, I've got this. I don't have any medication I can push. I'm a basic. There's nothing, there's nothing I can do besides verbal de-escalation. That's so he's at the door pounding on the door. And he's telling me he needs to get out and he's trying to open the door. He don't know how to open the door. It is locked. It is very locked. And I don't know if I was just tired or what, 
I don't know what happened. I, I think I grew up into being a paramedic. And I said, sir, I need you to sit down right now. I need you to sit down. He's like, I need to get out of here. And I don't know what happened, but I just, I sat there. He kept pounding on the door. So we eventually, like, we got to the ER. And he's still pounding on the back door. That's still child locked, except for the side door that I could jump out of. So uh, my partner's getting to the back and she, um, she opens the back doors after like, I tell him like, hey, step aside so she can open the doors and you can get out. And there's a certain point when you get to the hospital of like, it's the hospital's grounds, not ours. So if anything happens. <laughs> so uh, he has grabbed all of his items. He's looking at me and I'm looking at him and he starts walking towards me. I didn't even get up. I don't know what came over me. And I look at him, I'm like, go ahead, man. You can get out right now. So my partner's like, he can't leave. And I'm like, let him go. So he jumps out. The hospital staff, whenever I called them along the way, very sneaky, sneaky, I called them and they're already outside. So they're waiting for him. But he sneaks past them somehow. He runs right past them and calls 911. And I hear him on the phone. You hear the 911 operator, 911, what's your emergency? And I'm yelling out, we are 911. And he's still running. And I'm just standing there with my laptop, like to take the, like chart the whatever stuff. What is it? Chart the report. I, I just like to interject. I've been sitting here trying not to laugh. Um, he calls 911. And at the ER, <laughs> at the at the emergency room, and the people that he would be connected with would be you because yeah. you are the we closest are ambulance. As, we to are nine one one. Him. So, just basically at that point, he gets back in, go around the block, and then we're in the and same situation. Right. Yeah. Got. Okay. Well, he's also not with it. Yeah, no, he's not in his right mind. So, so for him to rationalize that would be a little bit too it's, much it's to ask. It's a lot ask. to ask for my man's at that moment. So okay. he continues running around. He runs not only down the road. My partner at that point is now running after him. What, what is she going to do? I have no clue. And I asked her after, I said, what were you going to do? She's like, I don't know. I just didn't want him to get hurt. And so I said, so you run him into the road. He is now running into the road. He is in the road. My partner is following after him. And I look at one of the nurses and I'm like, well, he's on y'all's grounds. She proceeds to then run after him. She's also one week into being a nurse and she runs after him. We pick him up about 30 he's minutes. Got fresh legs. <laughs> <laughs> he's got fresh legs. My off. <laughs> she doesn't have crippling back pain. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we, we ended up going a mile down the road to go pick him up and when he sees us you know what he says or when he sees me because i had to go pick up my partner he says oh are you guys here to save me i said absolutely man get in we'll bring you somewhere safe <laughs> so we bring him right back to where he was so after the call my partner was like were you scared i said you can't even imagine like this six foot man is standing above me telling me he's going to get out of the whole ambulance and I'm sitting there as calm as can be, sweating, telling him, no, he's not. And he, he needs to have a seat again. And you are f f fresh. Fresh as can get. Like, new to this. Yeah, me, me myself, and I. You're, what was I going to do? You're, you're young, <laughs> and you're fresh. 
and you're you know naive very much smaller than he is absolutely yeah so that's fun all right so that's that also the wildest comment please go ahead i'll turn this off again we go to a call for a lady with back pain okay could be a multitude of things we go in with our it's like a funnel of differential diagnoses where you start like you start big of what's the most immediate life threat and then you ask all your questions get your pertinent negatives pertinent positives like what's going on does it radiate how long blah 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 and you funnel it down to what it possibly could be and what you can treat so going in with all of that everything is pretty like baseline everything's fine everything's looking good this that and the other she has back pain then she has to go to the bathroom so i tell my partner i'm like hey uh can you can you go bring her to the bathroom and you know along the way like see if you distract her if that does anything this that and the other she comes back what what classification are you at this point a paramedic okay so like you're like this a, is pretty recent you're, you're a big girl at this yeah. point okay <laughs> gotcha so you're you're able to make decisions yeah this time um so she comes back from the bathroom she's sitting on the stretcher we're strapping her in with the seat belts because safety first so there's two there's one that goes from across the shoulder to the left side one goes across the shoulder to the right side there's one that goes like on your lap and there's one that goes on your ankles i'm starting at the ankles and i'm about to do the one so strap it right there i grab the lap seat belt to go ahead and buckle her in because it's a bumpy ride in the back. Nobody tells you that. If you call an ambulance, it is not a smooth ride. I'm very sorry. This is what we are given. So, hard earned taxpaying dollars. So, uh. I don't pay. I, I don't pay taxes in Utah, so I don't, I don't get the pick either. I'm sure your taxes are, give you much nicer things than we have here in Louisiana. You, you don't have to answer. Anyways, you strapped her in at the, at the thing. Yeah, it's so a bumpy ride. I'm, I'm about ahead. to go ahead and do the like the middle seatbelt with my, the typical comments. It's a bumpy ride, just a couple of seatbelts, this, that, and the other. And I'm finishing up asking her her past medical history. This woman proceeds to tell me as I'm about to click it in. Oh, also, I've birthed an alien from my leg. I was going to let that one sit, but I do have a question. Because I... This woman says she was at John Hopkins. She didn't know she was pregnant. And granted, this lady, sweet as can be, super nice, haven't got a clue, like, no indication something is not, like, nobody's home upstairs. Also, I just want to note for the people who who have to really kind of understand this, John Hopkins is a, a top-tier medical institution. Oh, yeah. Like, it is... If you're a doctor there, that means you're from Harvard Medicine <laughs> or John Hopkins Medicine, yeah. like the university. Top tier. So, like, you are the doctor. You get paid multiple, multiple millions of dollars a year to be a doctor. And this lady was at John Hopkins she Medical was, Center. She was at that hospital, and she didn't know she was pregnant. Which she, is standard, you know. Uh, but, most yeah, women don't know. Classic. Yeah. yeah. I mean, gosh golly, it's... Just happens to all of us. Yeah, not me. Same. So, <laughs> I didn't know. So she said she was there, and they brought her into a procedure room, and she birthed a baby alien from her right thigh. It crawled. It slipped onto the floor and crawled away, and nobody could ever find it again. 
what do you do with that, Riley? Because I have no clue. So I'm standing there, like standing over her. I haven't even buckled her in. And I'm hearing all of this. I look up at the fire department and this one guy who's super, super new, he's just standing with his mouth wide open. Then she looks up and she's like, but that's not the craziest thing. that's not the craziest thing i literally said ma'am keep that to yourself i think what? we'll save that for the er <laughs> we don't know what the craziest thing was do you want to know after hearing i birthed an alien baby from percent. my leg what do you think this show is what do you think this show is i didn't want to know i'm sorry i just there's only so many places you can go after that and none of them i wanted to visit that day so. you have this person at your mercy. Who seemed completely normal. Who is just having some back pain. <laughs> yeah. I wonder why. I mean, she was carrying a baby in her leg. I Can't mean, be. God, who knows what oh, else was in. Overcompensating. <laughs> um, so you didn't ask it. We never found out. You I never, never got, found out. You never got the update I from the nurses. Not, I told her, I said, wait till, because I, I knew who was going to be in the ER that day. And the doctor it was oh, a little. Set them up for failure. Oh, absolutely! The doctor was a little uppity, kind of a little full of himself. So, uh, I mean, yeah, Riley. So, um, I knew it was gonna be in there. So I was like, I told her, I said, what I wanted you to do. I said, save that story because it's your medical history. I said, save that and wait till the doctor comes in, and then I want you to tell him. And I, I timed it perfectly, my dude. Like I, we gave the handoff report to the nurse as soon as we got there. We'd get it out of there as soon as we could. I gave her my nice little wave and like, I hope everything goes better and I hope you feel better. And I just, I never, we never made it back before the end of that shift, but man. We'll try to look for your son. <laughs> we'll try to find your baby. <laughs> or your daughter or whatever, or whatever the other alien gender. <laughs> There, there's a couple ways that we can kind of wrap this up and continue um, along the, the same vein because people are interested, yes, in the process, blah, 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 blah. It's interesting how you got to where you are. People, people love stories. I tell stories all the time. People love stories. Is there anything that we left out that you can tell on the, on the air? Like a, 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 <laughs> a, okay, a best situation is a little bit different. Like a, I've, I've interviewed musicians before like, hey what was your best concert tell me about it and they were like this happened this happened this happened everything was great the crowd was lively and awesome you guys the best case scenario is like i don't really have to work that hard the patient's gonna be fine <laughs> right like that's really kind of the best situation what is something else um i mean honestly like so when when we get a call when we get toned out for a call whatever it is we are given only what the dispatcher tells us and the dispatcher can only get so much from whoever has called 911. So it kind of depends on like, like we'll get toned out for like a two-year-old having a seizure or like a one or six-month-old having a seizure. So with pediatrics and kids, it is a whole different ball game because their medications that we can give are weight-based rather than just like your basic average dosage for everybody else over the age of like 20 plus. So you're on the way to this call. You're going lights and sirens nine times out of 10 to the big stuff. Um, 
and you're not only are you trying to figure out how are we getting to this call with like directions but you're also sitting there like okay what is the average weight for this child okay how much like if it's weight-based dosage if, if we need to look back up to see what what is the actual weight-based medication dosage for this child so how much is that going to be whenever you multiply like you you convert from pounds to kilograms and then how many kilograms that child weighs to how many how much dosage and then like oh well you can't give so much in a certain amount of time i wish that you guys had like the quarterback little thing where you flip it up it's like <laughs> all right here we go that's a you very say that it's a very inside sports thing i just did and it's very visual for an audio podcast but like, <laughs> on the non-throwing hand the quarterbacks have like a play sheet you and say that there's actually that? this thing where it's called the Braslow tape where it's you start like at the the head of the child you put this little it's a flip book kind of setup and you put it at the head of the kid and you like measure it out and it actually gives you like all the weight like the dosages of the medications stuff like that just because i mean to be honest so while we're like lights and screaming on the way to this call you're also thinking like i really don't want to go to this call because it sounds awful and i don't want to deal with like a this six month old having a seizure on top of then you got to think about the family that's going to be there the mom's probably panicking or she's gonna as nine times out of ten She's going to pull up with her car, block the ambulance who needs to like leave as soon as we do a couple of things and is screaming and crying on top of the dad's probably going to punch a wall on top of you got other little siblings that you don't want to traumatize. So best case scenario, you get there and the kid's not seizing and it just like is shivering because it's cold. Quality. <laughs> is that a real thing that's happened before? Yeah, straight up. Okay. Um, there is one thing I wanted to address out of all of that. It's the weirdest thing to pull, but I have, I've gone very fast before in my life driving, um, allegedly. I don't oh, want to incriminate myself. I won't say how fast, but I've gone fast. Yeah. You guys are lights and sirens. You have all the authority in the world to go as fast as you possibly can to a particular location. Yes. How, well, we'll get to that in a moment. How exhilarating is that? I know it's a lot of like, you guys kind of like, you're getting there as fast as you can, but like, that's got to be really great for the adrenaline. So when you first start out, it's great when certain people have different names for it. Certain people have different names for it. When you're green, meaning like you just got your patch, you just started your job, you're cleared, whatever. It's awesome. And it's great. And it, you feel like you are the big dogs of the road. Everybody's got to get over for you. And that's a real life thing. If you see an ambulance with lights and sirens, please pull to the right. Anyways, so um, just because, okay. So when you start off, it's it feels great. You get that adrenaline dump and like you're blazing through, especially at night, like the lights are reflecting off of buildings. It feels cool. And then you start driving more going lights and sirens and you realize how dangerous it is <laughs> and how people don't know how to drive as is, let alone throw a 3,000 pound meat wagon with flashy lights and loud sounds behind them. People don't, people either just stop in the middle of the road, they pull to the left. So then you got to think like, are they going to pull to the right last second? Or, and then you're going through intersections. 90% of ambulance related, I would say even 95% of ambulance related crashes happen at intersections because people don't know how to just stop or they stop right in front of us. 
Who's going to benefit from that? Nobody. No. All you got to do, you don't even have to like go over two or three different lanes. You just get out the way. Just pull to the right. That's all we ask. Have you been involved in an ambulance crash? Can I can I ask no, that? No, I have not, but I know people who have, and it's probably a lot of moving parts back there that are getting jarred around. Oh my god! Actually, I know there was a crew. I was working one night, and one of my very close friends at the company I used to work at, um, they got in a wreck. Insert insert name here. <laughs> insert name. No free ads. But for uh. A company that <laughs> <laughs> this place is great. The other one's trash. But uh, <laughs> you actually, you can, if you call 911 and there's a specific ambulance, within reason. Like, if they're hours away, they're not, they're not coming for you. Like, you get what you get. But, um, <laughs> yeah, so, like, at first it's fun, but then it's terrifying. And then, like, when you start seeing, we actually responded one time to one of our competing agencies. Their ambulance crashed because somebody pulled, like, a a vehicle pulled out right in front of them and the medic like she was in the back she they thought she was dead for a second because not in legalistic implications because the medic should be buckled in in the back seat how are you going to treat somebody if you buckled in that's all i'm going to say on that one um so like you're literally in this thousand pound tall box or a van so you have van bilams some places so you're in this moving vehicle it's you and a patient who's strapped in the safest place you can be and then you got the cab up front that's really not that safe proof and so it's like it's a lot of moving parts with not a lot of room to stop and so like once you really start realizing that it's terrifying it Oh. So not fun. All right, not as sometimes. not as not as fun as, <laughs> as I wanted it to be. No. Um, if you have a cool playlist, it changes everything, though. Uh, we do. If anyone cares, and Spotify partnered together to give you a bunch of different playlists. Go check that out. We will put the link in the description, You're in welcome. the show notes. Thank you for the ad read. <laughs> um, I was going to throw it in at some point in the show, and you gave me uh, less work to edit. Um, perfect. Yeah. If anyone cares, Spotify 10 show sponsor playlists, courtesy of If Anyone Cares, right now available with the link in the show description. Nevertheless, Alexis, we are back. Um, thank you for giving me the ad read. You're welcome. Um, I, there's, there's a lot of different things we could go down and not a lot of time left in the show, but I want to talk about the dynamic with a partner. I've had I love that you're already <laughs> responding this way I've had podcast partners my entire life I've done shows with with some of my favorite people I've ever worked with and then some people who are not my favorite I'm sure it's the same thing for you that you've had partners that you would liked more than others what is the partner dynamic because me hosting a podcast we have a bad show no one dies you have a bad partner and you have a bad day with that partner there is real life real world consequences and and implications that can happen what is the the partner dynamic and is there anything that you do to to bond with your partner either during work hours or, or out of work hours um so you when you work in ems depending on the shifts you have you have some 12 hour shifts 
you have some 16 hour shifts you have some 24 hour shifts that, that's what we have and uh you are literally six inches minimum in the front cab of the ambulance for 90 percent of that shift depending on how busy you are that shift you are rubbing shoulders on some calls you are literally like that it's very close it is not it is not for the faint of heart and it is not if your partner stinks it just is not a good time um so a big part for me is just giving people patience and warming up to people a lot of it's honesty just hey that call didn't go so good because xyz or hey i don't like the way you did this what about this just constructive criticism and honesty for the betterment of not so i can tell you what to do but this is how i would do it how can we grow better um humor is also a big part of it so finding out how like what you guys like and kind of playing into that common interest um i don't know, it's hard because like you just you're you never you can look ahead at the schedule and figure out who you're going to be partnered with but even still it's not the same person every time it depends if you have a fixed partner but like for the for the whole time i've been in utah i have barely had a fixed partner well you're also what four months into it so it's yeah i feel like more experienced people work together kind of not situation you no can be with a day one for instance well it's okay so it's not like police officers that have like set partners or kind of thing but you guys are just kind of sometimes, rotating out sometimes yeah and that well that's what that's the hard part is that like you can get on a shift with a set partner or you can be picking up overtime and you're with somebody and you may or may not have met them I forget that you guys like have lives and stuff and take vacations and <laughs> <laughs> you're not you're not like public slaves and servants to us well depending on the day well you guys also like have <laughs> spouses actual and, families and, and actual lives kids and, and despite the fact that you work in utah and you're in louisiana right now forget that you have like <laughs> vacation time don't tell my job they think i'm sick no i'm just kidding <laughs> You're literally out in the elements. God, you don't. You never know where you're going to end up. You never know what kind of call it's going to be because it can change within seconds. You don't know the type of safety you're going to have. So I always open up with a couple of things. I'm like, hey, this is our first time working together. There's a couple of things we need to address. One, I am anaphylactically allergic to strawberries because I'm not trying to make a patient out of the other patients. Can we... Can okay, I have a question about that. I promise we'll get back to the point. But can you eat like strawberry flavored? No, Jolly Ranchers. No, bro. We're I, out on that. I had a white airhead one time and ended up biting an endotracheal tube and getting intubated later that night. Can you translate that into English? Um, I had a white airhead and got put on a vent because my airway was so swollen I was unable to breathe. Noted. Um, we don't have any strawberry things here, so we'll move on. Anyways, <laughs> a couple um, things that you addressed. You're so allergic to strawberries. I about the strawberry thing, yeah. and then I mentioned, like, number two, I'm here to do my job and get paid for it, but I want to do it well. Because as fun as my job is, I'm not here for volunteer work. <laughs> I, got, I went to too much school for this stuff. Uh, number three, like, I'm... If we're going to be working together, like, I'm just here for a good time. If anything goes down, and this is what I always, especially my partners with kids, I tell them, if things get real silly, if we are in the heat of the moment and things are turning really south real quick, like, 
I'm going to be the one that goes and not you because I will not allow your kids to grow up motherless and or fatherless, whatever, because you want to be a hero. Quite the the tone shift in the show. It's dark, but I mean, like, that's literally, and that's what happened on that one call. Like, I, the guy, the patient was getting real silly real fast, and that's a very nice way of putting it. And is that he, a holdover from your teacher day? He was getting really silly. <laughs> Not like he's throwing paper balls across the room. Like he's saying a whole bunch of stuff. And so my partner's trying to de-escalate everything. The cops are not really toned, tuned into the situation. And I looked at him and I was like, bro, if you're fisting to do something, pick me, not my partner. Cause me and my partner have been working together for a couple of months. Like we were, we were tight. And that's another weird thing is that you start to learn each other in weird ways of like how like like voice voice tones you can tell when when they're trying to imply something else versus what they're saying or like they're starting to get aggravated or they're hungry my first partner i had i had him for a couple of months i was going to be out of shift and so i had somebody that was going to cover my shift and i told him i was like okay look he likes to get coffee at this certain time of the day uh he gets hungry around this time here's a couple of signs of when he's hungry and if he gets like hangry like nobody wants to be around him um he likes to take a nap if we can around two or three you're basically like the dude's wife (laughs) here's a whole playbook it's my child (laughs) there's a whole playbook how to handle this guy that's what like I gave him his whole schedule like I'm taking care of this child and so my partner found out about it and when I got back from vacation he's like bro you ain't gotta treat me like a child I don't have a set schedule I was like do you not enjoy your naps around two or three he's like well yeah but that's not the point I'm like you're welcome you got a nap <laughs> big boy's gotta go down for a nap <laughs> uh, but you just that's the thing is that like as weird as it is to think about you learn each other in so many different ways, but like you go through so many cool things and there's so many inside jokes that just, you can't tell because it doesn't make sense out of context. And so you get really close and like some people take it to different extremes and make it really weird, but you always have to also be guarded in that, in, in that area because like at the same time that you get close and like you become like really close friends or whatever, the wrong person, um, can take that in the wrongest way. So it's So it's that's what I was going to ask. It is a mind Because I have seen movies. Oh, God. And sometimes partners, especially police officers, because they don't really have <laughs> movies about you guys, as, as bad as that might be. Because we're ambulance drivers. Medical Uber. <laughs> I'm sorry, medical drive share app. Oh, no free ads. Share. Ride share app. <laughs> Uh, no free ads, um, but we'll we'll lift the conversation <laughs> back on topic. Oh God, that's excruciating. Yeah. It, this has been an uber good conversation. I'm so. gonna have a stroke. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I know a paramedic um, <laughs> and YouTube that can just tell me what to do. Uh, <laughs> it's amazing that YouTube can tell me what to do in that situation. It's, it's just I have to apply it. It's literally an acronym called Fast. F-A-S-T. Face, arm, speech, time to call. It is that simple. All right. Well, some of us didn't go to school. <laughs> um, I had a point I was going to make. What were we talking about? You're talking about the movies where like oh, cops yeah. and it gets weird. So and... cops 
sometimes they develop, you know, they're there. There's long hours. Those stakeouts are getting intense. You get some Chinese food. You watch this dude's house for nine hours. Does that happen? Have you seen a situation where people that work together maybe have an entanglement, as Will Smith said that one time? Oh, an entanglement. So I actually... Tell me the juicy gossip of, of, of... paramedic and other people that work in your field do people so have relations in the truck (laughs) what are the things oh god that's disgusting what what, there is a there is a but it does uh i went into ems married so i never dealt with this um thankfully but i and it's it's hard because like i'm from the outside looking in i'm like that's disgusting but like when you think about it, if you're not at your station, you're what we call posted up, like a bunch of sticky notes, just posted up. So you're sitting in a truck in a location for, don't flash the post-its at me. Oh my God. So you're sitting in a truck in a location for potentially 10 minutes, 15 minutes. And depending on a whole bunch of stuff could be for longer and you are designated to be at that spot. You are literally staking out, waiting for someone to call 911. No windows in the back. There's no windows in the back. So, so I know. And no one's going to come knock on the door. Hey, guys. Oh, sometimes they do. Sometimes <laughs> they, it's, oh, God, people. Okay. Nevertheless, but like, but like you're in this know, situation where like it's 20, 30 minutes are going by. And then, like, and you go through, again, you go through these. Can you quit situations. playing with your microphone, please? I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> But like you go through these situations and like your adrenaline runs together and like you're making these decisions, you're doing awesome things together or like you're laughing about certain stuff, whatever. So you bond. And I will say, I know a couple that they were partners and she became impregnated. Does it happen a lot? Not always, but it's disgusting if it does. Bro, well, there's so much that goes on in the back with patients. I, that's disgusting. Well, the pr- the problem is a lot of the time um, is you get people, men and women in uniform. Also, oh my god, are you drooling? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. This is an audio podcast, so it's <laughs> when you say that, people imagine me doing that. So let's take it easy on the jokes. Um, you get men and women in uniform, and that's you know that does it for some people, and. You're together for a long period of time, and it's... I mean, I can see how it happens. So, whatever happened with that... No, maybe we shouldn't get into that. They ended up getting married. They have a kid together, and it's a a really beautiful thing. It's a love story. It's not that big a deal. but also... That kid has an awesome conception story. But I don't know if it was in the back. I don't know if it was at the station. I don't know if it was at the old house. I don't know. I just think it's disgusting because people throw up in the back. People die in the back of the ambulance, and you decide to do nasty things back there. Do they not clean it? We do, thoroughly. It's called decon. What's the big deal? It's the idea behind it of like, this is your office space. This is where you work. This is where, and then what do you know? Next, I just, I think it's disgusting. And then nine times out of ten, even the people who participate in it, they will admit it's gross. We're not going to dip into that. Um, (laughs) Very different thoughts on that. Okay, so long story short, it does happen. It is not as often as you would think. It's really not. Happens in every other movie I've ever seen, but that's not the point. 
Um, okay, and you're also basing EMS based off of what, Grey's Anatomy, when we just come burst into the doors with a patient and start giving report to nobody who's even listening, and God forbid we we're able to do anything. Okay, medical shows make paramedics and EMTs look like such morons, because they'll be like, oh, we have a patient, blah, 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 and it's like, what did you do for this patient? Nothing. They did nothing. And it's like, okay, you could have literally treated this entire problem and brought them in, and you decided to what? Wear a patch? Well, good job, medical show. You make us look stupid. You know what they did? They brought them to the real professionals of the medical industry. <laughs> Sorry, I forgot. We put a Band-Aid on and we called it a day. <laughs> yeah, that's a fun inside joke between me and Alexis, probably. Um, <laughs> thank you so much for the time, personally. I, I, really, I really do appreciate you making the trip all the way out to Louisiana for none other than just this interview. Yeah, driving not only not flying from from Utah to New Orleans and not only driving from New Orleans uh to Baton Rouge but definitely from Baton Rouge to Lake Charles. That is such a, a wild thing if you can just put the microphone down and be really the static is a nightmare to edit out. So I Okay. Do you I have a fidget thing over here if you want me to grab it for you. Can you filibuster while I grab it? Can you just speak incoherent just speak incoherently until I get back to the table? I just I don't want people to listen to this and think I hate my job or I take it a like I think my job is a joke because it's not. Like what we do is important, but I don't want people to like feel like I don't know, like have this concept of like you save lives every day. Like sometimes we pick granny up off the floor and we literally pass out band-aids. That's it's important and I'm proud of what I do, but I feel like people really paint us as heroes and that's not what we are. How about you just take the credit? And pretend like <laughs> you're out there defibrillating someone every single day. Because again, I've seen movies. I know what you do for a living. I'm there. <laughs> Boots on the ground for an hour and 30 minutes and then I move on to my job where if I have a bad show, no one dies. Yeah, neither can I. We end the show how we end every other show, the lightning round, five to seven random questions, and to answer in 10 seconds or less. You've listened to the shows so that you know how this works. Are you ready? I've been stressing about this literally since I got on the plane, knowing that I was coming to do this podcast and knowing we would have these. Are you ready? Yeah, I have some answers already written down. Oh my, this is... <laughs> I'm going to use questions I haven't used before. No, don't do this. Cake or pie? cake do you have that written down do you just it not is know written down and i let me refresh okay my mama makes the best lemon cake lemon icebox pie cake no you can't have it's cake or pie you can't have both it it's is, a pie cake no it's not it's a it's a pie okay, or it's a cake it's a, so i like cake in that aspect but pie typically it's fruit and i just get real nervous it's gonna be a fruit that's gonna kill me so do you like strawberry pie or no no too soon. okay too I've soon. Literally been intubated many times. Been twenty-seven years, and it's still too soon. Actually, it's been two. I didn't know till I turned twenty-five-ish. Oh, that's good. Did you paramedic yourself back to life? No, but okay. I typically panic when I start going into one, and it's a lot. I don't know the rules. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> um, what personal trait are you most proud of? 
your intelligence, which you have shown for an hour and 15 minutes on our show. <laughs> Hardly. <laughs> what is like a word for like, uh, oh, I, it's in my head. I just can't get it out. I'm having a stroke. I, you, Call 911. Um, the, the thing when... After you, what you told me about the ambulances in my city, I'm not. <laughs> I just, I'll drive myself to the ER. Honestly, sometimes. <laughs> uh, no, I guess perseverance. Just because, like, even going into EMS, like, I had people tell me, like, you're not going to make it as a EMT. You're not going to make it as a paramedic and stuff like that. And so I'm like, oh, maybe it's stubbornness. Maybe it's perseverance. But also just, like, even though, like, congrats, you got the patch. You passed the test. Like, I don't want to just stop there. Like, I want to be better because, like, my patients deserve it. So the perseverance to not only just get the job, not just know the thing but to build and be better at it so how'd it go did you did you do it somehow okay awesome somehow. i was curious I, yeah. um they want to put you at the edge of the seat yeah well, i already am uh partially because i have a core drug behind me i don't want to knock anything over uh what it what personal trait is getting the most trouble can i can i guess what? Can I say it on air? Go ahead. What? The klepto phase you went through when you were in... Kleptomania. I'm actually not a klepto anymore. <laughs> I say that as I've already put like this fidget thing in my pocket. Noah. <laughs> you may not get it back, but if I distract you enough, you'll forget about it. I'm just kidding. I'll, I'll remember it on Thursday when I'm at my desk and I'm stressing out about a huge thing. Yeah, I grab it and I'm like, oh, Alexis is Alexis already... Alexis took it. Yeah. No, um, also my kleptomania has been very discreetly hidden until my brother exposed me in front of everybody. So that's not the thing. Uh, I would say either my stubbornness because I am very stubborn or my, I don't know, bluntness or like honesty because I just don't do like, I don't know, I'm just very blunt and I'm very honest because I hate the whole like not knowing things. So I take that to an extreme and I'm just very honest and very blunt with people. And it kind of, I mean, I haven't hurt feelings with it, but some things really just don't need to be said or asked. And I don't know, probably my stubbornness. Cause I don't. Yeah. You criticize me for getting hot coffee today. Um, <laughs> it's only 90 something degrees and you're drinking hot coffee. It's, it's Why? 105. Okay. Yeah. Great. Drink the hot coffee. Okay. That doesn't make any sense. I'm sorry. It was fantastic. See, did did you have to, did you drink it? Did you have to drink it? No, they don't criticize my coffee choice. You know what? I'm just, just trying to help. All right. I'm going to ask another question. So if you could just <laughs> stop talking, be great. I think I will continue talking. <laughs> Um, that sounded really rude. <laughs> I'm gonna listen to that later. To this. Why, why are you such a jerk? Like that. Um, God, I had a question. Oh, what's your favorite smell in the whole world? Uh, fresh grass. No, that's cheesy. Um, man. There are two. Can I give two different? Because there, it's. What is your favorite? It depends. With. It depends. No S. It depends. Fine. Okay, pick whichever one you want. So there's one 
when I'm at work. Just, just say it. Just say both of them. I'm gonna say both. Don't of them. give me this qualifier that you're trying to. There is a qualifier. Them. So when I'm at work, we have like the little wipes that we clean everything off with, and it's there's a, it just has a certain smell and it just smells so clean, and it's just nice after somebody. Clorox. It is not. It is actually like. It's these wipes that if you touch them with your bare hands, like you could get cancer later on in life. I'm raw dogging those things. So like. <laughs> so it's probably not that just because sometimes just thinking about that smell, I also think of other human smells associated with this. So actually I changed my mind. Um, just give, you give your off the clock one. Uh. I know that's hard. Do I like vanilla or do I like fresh? You know what it is? Strawberries. Why don't you eat? <laughs> <So> <laughs> it was about 10. <laughs> oh, I'm not even sorry. Um... <laughs> don't beep it out. Just take it out, please. If my mother listens, she'll disown me. <laughs> Uh, favorite smell. I don't know, man. I don't I don't go. I just think of smells. I don't go around smelling stuff wondering, is this my new favorite smell? Is this it? Is this going to be the one? And I also didn't plan this. Now, oh, God. I hate the unexpected. It's my job. Um, Alexis. This is a you, big question. Alexis, can you just stop rambling? Just, it's, what smell do you like? Vanilla. No, that's so vanilla to say, though. Like, I don't want to say vanilla. That's what the last person said on this I very show. I gotta be original. I'm a five wing four. I gotta be original. Okay. Well, now I don't have to know what your anagram is. That was my next question. Oh, well, it wasn't. Do I have any? I don't have any notes in front of me. What do you think? <sighs> favorite smell. Favorite smell. Favorite smell. Are you just looking around now? No, I'm trying to. <sighs> I love the smell of clean sheets because one, it means you're going to bed and you're gonna go lay down on the bed. Number two, it means things are clean and I don't have to worry about nasty things because that's what my job is. All right, well, I exceeded 10 seconds, so we'll move on. I told you to send me the questions and you didn't. I, why would I? Um, this is the lightning round. Five to seven random questions. I don't do good with lightning. That's fine. It's my job. When I'm not on the clock, I don't want to deal with lightning quick responses. By the way, I think you liked that photo I sent you to the uh, the lightning and the rainbow and everything. I did. It was, was really nice. It was dope. It was right here in the yard. Was it really? Yeah, it was. It was oh, at this yeah. very house. Not out here. It was the other way. Well, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not over there. Different direction. Different. It's, uh, that's north and this is south. No, it was beautiful. Thanks. I took it myself. You should be a photographer. I thought about it. Um, <laughs> two, uh, two more questions. That's okay. Oh, God. I'm stressed out. If you could meet any fictional character, who would it be? Um, I tried to narrow it down between Picasso, Van Gogh, fictional or Edgar Allan. Fictional character. They... How do we know they really existed? Uh, fictional character... <laughs> Freaking Vincent Van Gogh. <laughs> I thought I was ready for this one. I was not. 
Fictional character, I... I was going to be there, Marty, didn't you? <laughs> I was so ready. That was the next one. It was the next one. You know, now it's going to be different. And I really screwed myself over on that one. Fictional character, go. I don't know. Knowing you and, and how you interact with the, with the dog outside, probably Air Bud. Ew! Uh, fictional character. What? One, he's not fictional. He's an actual dog. <laughs> yeah, but Airbud's not a real person. Freaking Leonardo DiCaprio isn't the okay. dude that stole the airplanes. But okay, he... <laughs> you know what? Actually, that's <laughs> Don't crush my dreams. That's based on a true story, too. You can actually meet Frank out. <laughs> that's a bad example. Brad Pitt played that Ew. dude in Fight Club. He played that dude in Fight Club. I don't do Brad Pitt stuff. Okay. Well, I would like to meet. It's so hard to give you examples because every example I give apparently sucks. Well, your words, not mine. I would love to meet Kylo Ren because I love Adam Driver. Adam Driver is great. It, okay, no, I changed my mind. I changed my mind. I changed my mind. No, you already picked. Oh, leave me alone. I would love to meet Derek Shepard. He's dead, so. Wow. Spoiler, Spoiler alert. I haven't gotten that far. Are you serious? Yeah, I haven't gotten that far. Oh my gosh. No, it, came out, it, season. it came out <laughs> 74 years ago. It's on season 98. I would like to meet Derek Shepard to tell him not to get in the car so he could still be alive because Patrick Swayze deserved better. I, I don't think that's his name, but I... Patrick Stewart. Let me live my life. That's also not his name. I don't know what it is. I thought it was Patrick Swayze. <laughs> no, Patrick Swayze. Very different person. Were you talking about that after the show? Three. Can I take my answer? No, you can't. <laughs> Shut up. We're moving on. Last question. We'll get you out of here on this. Famous people living or dead. Dinner party. Three people. Go. Picasso. <laughs> Vincent, Vincent Van, Gogh, Van Gogh. Michelangelo. And that... Edgar Allan Poe. Not Michelangelo. I think he was a little full of himself. <laughs> I forget that Vincent Van Gogh and Picasso also hated themselves. And yes. Edgar, if you want to talk about someone who hated himself, it's Edgar Allan Poe because he committed suicide after he wrote The Raven. Allegedly. Allegedly. Isn't that what you're taught as a journalist is to say allegedly? Yeah, well. We don't know if he did. He probably did. All of everyone in his life did. died. Well, you know what? I would just love to dissect The Raven with him and him look at me and say, it's not that deep. <laughs> And crush everything I've ever built <laughs> based on that one idea. It's actually him just tripping, and he wrote, he wrote about his experience. Until then. You know they named a football team after that poem. That is not why they... The Baltimore Ravens was named, because Edgar Allan Poe was from Baltimore. Are you serious? They named the Baltimore Ravens after that poem. Oh my god, how iconic. See, like, if, if those... I would love to just buy him a Ravens hat. No, we no, no. That's not what we're getting at with that. It's the idea that like I know on Doctor Who they made an episode about Vincent Van Gogh and they like brought him to like a modern day museum or whatever and like showed him all of his paintings and like had someone going on and on about one of his paintings and he was crying realizing that like his work mattered. It's like I would love to bring them all together and I can just gush to them about how much I admire every single one of them. And then, then be able to explain stuff because I don't understand and like I need to know. And we could show him highlights of the of, of Super Bowl forty seven when his Baltimore Ravens beat the San Francisco 49ers. Plot twist, that means more to him than someone <laughs> admiring his work. And then the Super Bowl in two thousand when they beat the Giants. They beat the 
breaks off the Giants. Oh my god. Different different cultural backgrounds. Alexis, <laughs> I appreciate you making time and making the trip and doing a live show and making me actually work at my job. You're welcome. <laughs> You're welcome for my presence. You're welcome for my service. <laughs> Please check that out. No. Uh, where can people find you on the internet? Or people can people find you on the internet? Absolutely. I am not that interesting, but you can find me on the Facebook. But she lives in Utah. <laughs> <laughs> That's your literal bio. That's my Instagram bio. Uh, find me on the Facebook. Find me on the Instagram. Um, that's about it because we'll, that's we'll as technological advances as I get. We'll put it in the show description. Uh, for Alexis Hardwick, I'm Riley James if anyone cares. <laughs>